Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? I hope you guys are having a great day, uh, great morning, great Sunday. Um, this is uh, Made Free Church's Sunday morning church service. Um, let, me, uh, let me do this. Let me get this over here. Uh, oh, gosh. What a great day. What an awesome day. You know, waking up every morning and getting listening to scripture and, and on my phone, you know, I listen to it every morning or, you know, I listen to a sermon or, you know, it's a great way to start off your day. You know what I mean? It's getting with the Lord Jesus Christ and, and just getting in his presence and stuff like that. So, um, so just an announcement before we get ready uh, to do this. Um, guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We'd love and be, we would be honored to pray for you. Uh, we live in a very dangerous time right now, and prayer changes everything. So there is a, 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 a tab on our website that says prayer requests. We have a whole intercessory prayer team set up to, um, you know, uh, pray over your prayer requests daily for a week, right? So... Please go there. It's madefreechurch.org. And guys, we are planning a church here in Idaho. We do need your support, right? We need a, we, uh, we've got our building, um, and, uh, thanks to a brother in the Lord. And, um, you know, we need to get chairs. We need to get pulpit. We need to get a lot of things for this, uh, this, this area that we're going to be in. And, uh, so we're going to be starting hopefully in the next month or so, actually having church in our own facility so that's awesome so guys if you can support us in any way shape or form that would be awesome um if not that's okay too you know because god provides everything right but uh, go to madefreechurch.org we have a made free church idaho tab on there and um guys it would just be awesome if you guys can support us in that way please leave your email addresses that way we can send you a tax deductible receipt um, that way you can uh, write that off on your taxes at the end of the year, okay? But let's get in this, man. I mean, we're going to be, we're still in the book of Romans. I mean, I'm not stopping just because I'm having a church service on Sunday. But this is Abraham justified by grace. This is part one. And we're going to be in Romans um, chapter four, verses um, and nine through 12 today. Um, so guys, open up your word. Let's get into prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We just want to say thank you for your word. Thank you for this time that we get to spend with you on Sunday morning. Bless our, our bless us as we go to our normal churches and stuff like that, Lord. And just, uh, we lift up Made Free Church Idaho, Lord, that you just bless it and give us the finances that we need, Heavenly Father. And we just thank you for all that you do for us, God. We love you and we worship you. And we praise your holy name. All right, so guys, if you guys want to, um, you want to guys want to comment on things? Go ahead and comment. Uh, when I see it from my notes and stuff, I'll uh, definitely uh, respond to them um, if it has, you know. So yeah, so let's. All right, let's get into it. You know, um, what does the word Yankee mean to you? Right? You know, Robert Mayer in the Wall Street Journal article writes this. To people in other parts of the world, it simply means that someone is from the United States. To people in the United States, it means someone is uh, uh, far north 
uh, from the Mason-Dixon line. Northerners, it means that someone is from New England. New Englanders, it means that someone's from Vermont. And the Vermonters means that someone's from the Green Mountains. See, the term Christian has taken a wide range of meaning too. You know, some had uh, some have equated that being a Christian with being an American. That's way, way too far wide, guys. And others say that Christian is someone who's been baptized and become a member of a Christian church. See, a true Christian is someone who has come into right relationship with God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, right? Now, this is what the Apostle Paul teaches in our text today as he shows us how Abraham, that Abraham was justified by grace, right? So open up your word and let's read Romans chapter 4 verses uh, uh, 9 through 17. I know it said 9 through 12, but we're going to go a little bit further and go through 17. <laughs> and it says this, Therefore, this is the blessing on the cir- circumcised or... Is this a blessing on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised? And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while uncircumcised so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteous might be counted to them. And the father of the circumcision to those, to, to those who don't only uh, dealt with, uh, and f- the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also follow in the steps of faith of our father Abraham, which he had while he was uncircumcised. For the promise to Abraham or to his seed that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For those who are of the law are heirs. Faith has been made empty and the promises has been abolished. For the law brings about wrath. But uh, it says where there is no law, there is also no trespasses. For the reason is by faith in order that it may be according to grace. So that the promise will be guaranteed to all seed. And not only to those who are of the law. But also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations I have made you, in the presence of him who believed even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being which though which, which, uh, which does not exist. When I talk to some people, uh, try, you know, it, how, how some people try to come into right relationship with God, I find it rather sad, right? Very, very, very sad, guys. Um, for example, let me let me uh, let me share with you what John MacArthur says in his commentary of Romans about how Hindus try to come into right relationship with with God. Right? It says this: one of the great Hindu festivals is called Maha Kubha 
Mela, right? Which is celebrated every 12 years at the con at the at the confluence of the Ganges of the Yumana uh, rivers, called the Fable Waters of the Sagman, uh, the the Sagman. It is claimed to be the world's largest religious event. Disregarding the difficult journey, great the great expense, the cold waters, the multitudes of faithful that are drawn to the celebration, caste and economic class are temporary set aside. Temporarily set aside, right? The festival is led by a group of stark naked holy men who led the procession of millions of pilgrims down to the filthy water. Uh, Fikars or Fakirs uh, sit on the bed of nails and walk through broken glass and lie down on hot coals. A common sight is to see worshippers taking long knives and piercing their tongues in order to sentence themselves to eternal silence as a way to appease their myriad of gods. Some worshippers will stare into the sun until they are blinded. Others will intentionally cause their limbs to atrophy in genders of worship, the gestures of worship. One man held his arm upright for eight years, although his arm muscles had long uh, failed him. His, his uncut fingernails had continued to grow and descended some two and a half feet below his hands. One Hindu holy book declares those who bathe at the conflux of the Ganges at the Yumana go to heaven. Another sacred writing says the pilgrim who bays at the place wins absolution for his whole family. And even if he, even if he's perpetrated a hundred crimes, he is redeemed at the moment he touches the Ganges, whose waters wash away his sins. Now, see, at the festival, the waterfront is lined with countless shaving booths, uh, which. The devoted strip themselves bare of every hair on their bodies is shaved off, including their eyebrows and eyelashes. Every shaved hair is collected and the hair is then thrown into the water. Hindu writings assure pilgrims, pilgrims that for every hair thus thrown in, you are promised a million years residence in heaven. We are told that millions who come to the spirits uh, with spiritual hunger depart with peace in their hearts and a renewed faith. What a dreadful, damning deception by by Satan! If this, but perfectly illustrates the work-centered systems religion people crave under Satan's inspiration, all which who seek to convince people that they can be made right with God and guaranteed a place in heaven by performing certain rites and ceremonies. Some religions are much more sophisticated and humanly attractive than others, but we all share a common false belief in the works righteousness in some form or another. The natural man instinctively believes that he is somehow that somehow he can make himself right with God by his own efforts. The Apostle Paul continues his teaching that Christians come into right relationship with God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
Paul uses Abraham as an example of this truth. His argument was that if Abraham, the greatest man in the Old Testament, was saved by grace alone, through faith alone, then every person must be justified on that same basis. And contra uh, uh, contrarily, if Abraham could not be justified by being circumcised or by keeping the law, neither could anyone else. See, in Romans chapter 4, verses 9 through 17, Paul demonstrates three closely related truths. Abraham's justifying faith did not come by his, his circumcision, right? It did not come by him keeping the law, but rather it came from solely by God's grace. You know, first, Abraham wasn't justified by circumcision. The Apostle Paul was uh, anticipating uh, the question that the Jews would ask at the point of his argument. If Abraham was justified by faith alone, why did God demand circumcision of Abraham and all his descendants? And most Jews in the New Testament times were thoroughly convinced that circumcision was not only a unique mark that set them apart from all other of as God's chosen people, but was also means by which they become acceptable to God. The, the Jewish Apocrypha uh, book of the Jubilees declares that circumcision, it, it says this, it, uh, uh, it says this, uh, circumcision is the eternal ordinance ordained and written on heavenly tablets. And every one that is born, the flesh of whose foreskin is not circumcised on the eighth day, belongs not to the children of the covenant which the Lord made with Abraham. For he belongs to the children of destruction, nor is there moreover any other sign on him that is that he is the Lord's, but is destined to be destroyed and slain from the earth. Many Jews believe that salvation is based on their obedience to God in, be, in being circumcised and that their eternal security rests in that right. You know, uh, in his commentary of the book of Moses, Rabbi Mecha, uh, Menachem wrote this, Our rabbis have said that no circumcision, no circumcised man will ever see hell. The, the Judic Rabbam taught that circumcision saves from hell. And the Midrash, Mil, uh, Milliam, that uh, it says this, it says, God swore to Abraham that no one who was circumcised shall be sent to hell. See, such beliefs were so strong in Judaism that many of them were carried into, into Christianity by the Jewish converts in the first century church. Circumcision and following the law of Moses became such an issue that a special council of the apostles and elders was called to Jerusalem to settle the matter. The unanimous decision expressed in a letter to all the churches was that obedience to the Mosaic ritual, including circumcision, was not necessary for salvation. You can find that in Acts 15, uh, verses 1 through 29. 
see, the, the, the Apostle Paul had come out of a strongly legalistic Jewish background, being circumcised on the eighth day, the Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, as to the law of the Pharisees. And you find that in uh, uh, Philippians 3.5. Yet the Holy Spirit had revealed to him, and the Jerusalem Council had acknowledged that neither circumcision nor any other ceremony or human act, no matter how divinely ordained, could bring a person into a right relationship with God. Circumcision has never saved a Jew, and it can never save a Gentile. Right? And it, it, you, you can read about that in Romans chapter 2, verses 25 through 29. We, we talked about that a few weeks ago. See, see, Paul warned his fellow Christians in Galatians 5, chapter 5, 1 through 4, he says this, It was for the freedom that Christ sets us free. Therefore, stand firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you, if you receive circumcision, Christ will be no, no benefit for you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under no ob obligation to keep the whole law you have been you have been severed from Christ you who are being justified by the law you have fallen from grace see a person you trust in circumcision in or any other ceremony or word such as baptism church membership or whatever nullifies the work of Christ on his behalf, right? Uh, he places himself under the law. And a person that's under the law must obey it with absolute perfection, which is which is impossible for any human to do, right? In, Gal in Genesis 17, verses 10 to 14, makes it clear that the act of circumcision was God-given mark of his covenant with Abraham and his descendants, the Jews. It was on the basis that of that passage that the rabbis taught and most of the Jews believed that obedience to the right was means of pleasing God and becoming right with him. See, Paul uses this very passage of scripture to demonstrate to the contrary Abraham was not made righteous before God by his circumcision, but that he was given the command of circumcision and he had already been declared righteous. And so Paul begins by asking the question in chapter 4, verses uh, 9 through 10. Therefore, is this blessing on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say, faith counted to Abraham as righteousness, but how was that? But then how? But how? How then is it, is it counted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while circumcised. See the, the relevance of this basic truth for our own day is great. Although few people, even Jews, now believe that circumcision brings salvation, countless millions affirm. Uh, firmly trust in some form of religious ceremony to make them right with God. The Roman Catholic Church, for example, it teaches that people come into right relationship with God through baptism. The Catechism of the Church, of the Catholic Church, um, edited by the the present Pope when he was uh, uh, when he was Cardinal, states justification is conferred in baptism. 
That means that a person is justified by baptism and not by faith in Jesus. You know, there, there are some uh, Protestant churches such as Episcopalians and Lutherans who hold, a sim who hold similar views. They believe that a person is saved by the act of baptism apart from any faith on the part of the individual being baptized. But see, such, but all such doctrines are a form of, of magic in which salvation is supposedly conferred apart from faith by the individual. That's exactly the kind of power the Jews of Paul's day attached to circumcision. And because they believed that they were, that that was the true for Abraham in regard to justification was true for every person, especially every Jew. Paul continues to use the patriarch as a model, right? Answering his own question, but about, you know, the time of Abraham being declared righteous. The apostle declares that it was not after, but before he was circumcised. Right in 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 four ten, that he was saved. Right, so the ob the obvious chrono uh, uh, chronology of Genesis proves that God called Abraham to Himself when he was seventy five years old. Genesis twelve one through four. When Abraham was eighty six years old, God declared Abraham to be justified by faith, and that's Genesis fifteen six. And it wasn't until Abraham was 99 years old that he was circumcised, Genesis 17, 23 through 25. So Abraham was clearly justified long before he was circumcised. So the natural question to, uh, to, to be asked would be, why circumcision? Why did God make that right a binding law on all of Abraham's descendants? See. Paul says that circumcision was a sign. Abraham received a sign of circumcision in chapter 4, 11, uh, and that's the beginning, uh, 11a, that's the beginning of the verse. Circumcision was a mark of God's covenant setting Abraham's, spirit, uh, Abraham's spiritual descendants apart as uniquely his chosen people. Second, uh, circumcision was a seal of the righteousness that Abraham had by faith while he was still uncircumcised in chapter 4 verse 11b in other words every time circumcisions was performed on God's people were to be reminded of God's righteousness that he was created was credited excuse me was credited to Abraham and that would be credit to all who trust in the righteousness of God right Although they convey similar ideas, a sign points to something, whereas a seal guarantees it. So when an official seal is stamped on a letter or a decree, for instance, it's the authenticity that was guaranteed. In a sense, circumcision was the authentication that God's covenant promise would be fulfilled. It pointed to the fact that God wanted to circumcise, that is, the place his authenticating seal upon his people's hearts, simply not, it's not simply their bodies. So, that was always God's intent. And the Jews should have known 
it long before Paul pointed out in his, his letter to the Romans. Moses declared in Deuteronomy uh, 36, Moreover, Yahweh our God circumcised your heart and the heart of your seed to love Yahweh your God and all, with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. God has always wanted first of all to cut away the sin that covered the heart. Every male child of, of Israel was a testimony that the people's heart needed spiritual circumcision or cleansing. In a similar way, uh, baptism symbolizes Christ's death and resurrection. Communion symbolizes Christ's redemptive act on our behalf, which we were to commemorate until he returns. Neither rite has any saving merit in itself, and the elements of water, bread, and wine, or grape juice, certainly have no merit or power in themselves. Both sacraments are assigned and seals of God's gracious covenant with his people. See, Paul has already made clear in his letters to the Romans, we saw this a, a month ago, in Romans 2, 28-29, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is what uh, the circumcision is that which is a, is of the heart by the spirit, not by letter, and praise, and not from men, but from God. So, contrary to the teaching of some churches today, infant baptism provides no salvation than it did circumcision. And here at Made Free Church, we don't do infant baptisms. We don't think it. We 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 believe that infant baptism. Hey, praise the Lord to you, man. Oh, good night from India. I'll be praying for your family, bro, and the people of India as well. God bless you, brother. Uh, uh, we, we here at Made Free Church don't believe in infant baptism. We believe in believer baptism. It has to be a confession, and a baby can't confess that. So we don't believe in baby baptisms, and, and we will never do baby. We'll do dedications, but we'll never do baby baptisms we don't believe it. Um, Abraham received the circumcision after he was reckoned righteous so that he is the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So that righteousness would be counted to them as well, right? And, and make and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walked in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham before he was circumcised. Chapter 4, verse 11b and verse 12. So ethnically, you know, Abraham is the father of all Jews, right? But spiritually, he is the father of all who believe, whether Jew or Gentile, right? And the reason that anyone is saved, and, and, and the reason that anyone is saved is because of faith, not because of circumcision or any other religious rite. Right? So, you know, as you know, we learned that Abraham was not justified by circumcision. He was justified through faith 
and the grace of God. You cannot be justified by circumcision or baptism or any other religious rite. Only way to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. No other. You know, during his years at Oxford, uh, George Whitfield uh, became an uh, became an associate uh, of the what they called the Holy Club, a group of, of serious churchmen who committed to methodically religious regime of uh, in, in re- religious observance with the brothers of, of John and Charles Wesley as their leaders. Their remarkable earnestness manifested itself in an estate living, right? Regular devotions, charitable works, solemn discussions, but it was unenlightened by the gospel, right? And, and George Whitfield said this, I began to fast twice a week for 36 hours together. Whitfield wrote in his later years, he says, prayed many times a day, received sacraments every Lord day. You know, I fasted almost to death all the 40 days of Lent, during which I made it a point of duty to never go less than three times, with less, uh, without, without a meal three, uh, every three days. To public worship, besides seven, besides seven times a day, to my private prayers. Yet I knew no more that I was to be a, to be born a new creature in Christ, than if I had never been born at all. Deeply dissatisfied at the heart, you know, the reading of the book, uh, with the title of the life of God in the soul of man by Henry Scrogel made plain to him the necessity of a personal relationship with God through Christ. Desperately seeking this relationship, he increased his self-affliction to such an extent that his weakness brought him to near death. And at last, however, the grace of God enabled him to trust solely in Christ instead of his own religious exercises. God was, ple- wait, he says this, God was, was pleased to remove the heavy load, he testified, to enable me to lay a hold of his dear son by living by a living faith and by giving me the spirit of adoption to seal me even to the day of everlasting redemption. The rest of, of George Whitfield's life continued, you know, to be one of zeal and discipline, right? He became arguably one of the greatest evangelists that has ever lived. And from that day on, he believed that he was justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not by any of his works. <coughs> you know, I, I pray that God will help us abandon all confidence in our works whether it is in baptism whether it's in circumcision church membership service or whatever I pray that you trust only in Jesus Christ for the gift of eternal life and and with that being said you know we have to understand that nothing by our words that we are saved it's by the, the finished work of Christ that we are saved awesome. I love the book of Romans, man. We're going to be here for a while, guys, so, you know, settle up. Uh, so, um, 
a few more announcements before we before we end today. Guys, if you guys want to support Made Free Church in any way, shape, or form, we have a church in Uganda. We have a church in California. We have a church here in Idaho. We can use your donations. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. So please leave your email addresses when you give. Uh, there's three ways to give. You can get through our cash app. You can get through a PayPal link and you can give, uh, you can send a check or money order to the address provided on the website. Um, now we do have, if you guys would like to check out our podcasting, we do have podcasting. All of our Made Free Church and myself, um, you can check us out there, okay? And guys, we just want to say thank you for watching today. God bless you and we are praying for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Lord, that we get to spend, thank you for the opportunity that we get to spend in your word. We just want to say thank you for all that you've given us and done for us, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, you guys have a great day. God bless you. And we will see you at the other Bible study coming on Tuesday. God bless.